0: And that was just like, wait, hang on, I had my most profitable year working the least in my business that I've ever worked. And that's when I finally figured out that by narrowing down, I could actually make more money and produce much better quality work than when I was trying to spread myself into like all of these different angles.
1: Hey Feasters, welcome to episode 7 of season 8 of Live in the Feast. I'm Jason, aka Rez, helping you grow your business by having a conversation with someone who's been there, had success, and built a business designed around the life that they want to live. That's Live in the Feast. If this is your first time listening, hit that subscribe button so that you do get notified every time a new episode drops. Live in the Feast is in your podcast app of choice. If you're listening to some random new one that it's not, well, let me know. I'll get it in there. If you've already heard the show before, why not leave us a, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or drop us a comment in Breaker or CastBox. Today's co-host I'm super excited to bring here is Aaron Flint. Erin has been building websites for 20 years and has had a number of pivots and adjustments in her career. I met Erin a number of years ago through a mutual friend of ours, and we've had some amazing conversations over the years about our businesses, as well as life. She's one of the great ones out there who not only talks the talk, but walks the walk. She helps other freelancers, designers, developers, marketers, in building and streamlining their businesses, but she also does client work. She simplifies everything in her business and builds it so that it's streamlined for success and profitability. In this episode, we dive into her journey from being an overwhelmed person with boxes and products filling her entire apartment up to now how she's built her business so that she's able to take off comfortably for the next few months while on maternity leave. We also talk about what the most important things to do with potential clients to understand if they are a good fit for you, but also that you're a good fit for them. And most importantly, we talk about profitability from doing less. So if you're ready, let's dive in. Hey, Feasters. Welcome to another episode of Live in the Feast. I am super excited to have Aaron on the show. Welcome, Aaron.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here.
1: Yeah, and you're in the midst of a move, a baby coming. I mean, it's just, holy cow. I appreciate you spending a little bit of time here today. I know. Hopefully it'll be painless.
0: (laughs) I'm happy to be here. I love chatting with you and I'm sure this is gonna be a great conversation.
1: Yeah, so we've known each other for some time. We've had some several conversations, you know, even in offline world, just not in podcast form or summit form or things like that, but, you know, just in conversation of just learning how we each do business and navigate our businesses in ways. And one of the things that like really wanted to pull you onto the show to talk about is this whole philosophy that you have of like, hey, I'm doing less now and making more, right? Right that whole philosophy is really a big mindset that some struggle with including myself that i wanted to have you on the show and kind of simplify it for people figure out how people can get out of their own way myself included this is probably going to be like a consultation for me but you know just get out of your own way and really try to figure that out but before we do that can you share a little bit about your origin story, like how did you start and why did you start?
0: So I started my business back in 2012, which is a million years ago now in the internet world, (laughs) it's quite a while. I have had lots of pivots along the way, which we can get into if you want, but all sorts of changes. But I started my business in 2012 after I quit a really horrible job Mm -hmm. (laughs) where I just couldn't take it anymore. And kind of became an accidental entrepreneur, and was making websites, um, which was something that I had been doing since I was a kid. So I started making websites at 13, just for fun. Did a couple, you know, paid gigs like in high school and college, but didn't really think about that being a real job until I just could absolutely not take working for this company any longer. Mm-hmm. And so then I started my own business, and I tried doing like all of the things. I don't just mean like all of the things in that business. I mean, I had like multiple businesses that I was trying to do at once because I was like, I'll make more money if I'm running three businesses at one time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was absolutely not the case. But it took me a while to realize that. Mm
1: -hmm. So you said like, it's funny. 2012, I started my business. I mean, I started my business in the early 2000s doing freelance alongside the full-time, but I've been doing my own business now for 2010. And I look back on it now, like in August, it's coming up on a decade. And I'm like, holy cow, this is... And I said to my wife, this is the longest job I've ever had. Like literally, I've never even imagined how long this would be in a space that moves so fast, so quickly that what I did 10 years ago doesn't even exist anymore. Right. And so it probably does in some form or fashion, but it doesn't like in my world, I'm not, I'm, I've pivoted just as much as you have. And so I wonder like what came about when you first decided to say, Hey, look, I'm doing all of these things. I need to start to focus. Was there one point in time at which you can remember that says, Hey, like, I'm going to burn out or did somebody say, Hey, look, you need to slow down a little bit. Or was it just something that like, you were like, Hey, somebody else is out there just doing the one thing. Maybe I should just take them as a model.
0: Well, what I think happens in the shift, I don't think I fully recognized it at the time, but I was running a web design business and then I was also doing like illustrations and like other stuff that was kind of like tangentially related, but not really, so I would design like wedding invites, like random mm. stuff But basically if you had money and you were willing to pay me, I would do
1: whatever <laughs> I in there.
0: But I had this other business that I actually ended up selling, which sounds much fancier than it is, but that was the start of um, subscription boxes, which everybody, you know, is pretty familiar with now, you know, things like Birchbox or even um, HelloFresh or whatever, where you get mm-hmm. subscription meals or goodies or whatever sent to you on a regular basis. And that was very new at the time. And at the time with my web design business, I was targeting um, mostly artists and creators and crafty type of people because I was also doing illustrations. And so I had this gift box service of like, I would find people on Etsy and convince them to send me goods and then I would sell it. And it was taking over my teeny tiny apartment because I was doing everything on my own. <laughs> and so mm. I had, you know, managing all of these orders. We were capped at hundred boxes per month. But then I had all of the goods for like three months at a time in my apartment. And then I was only selling them for $15, including shipping. So guess how much money I was making Mm. off of each box? It was terrible. And of course, there were things I could have done, you know, to like change the pricing or whatever. But I realized that if I wanted to make that a real business, if I wanted to make that my thing, then I was going to have to obviously like outsource and have, you know, a company that filled the boxes for me and then probably get help with marketing and you know do all sorts of different things and actually do real subscriptions as opposed to it's released at midnight first come first served mm-hmm. <laughs> type of a deal. And so I realized that that was not the kind of business that I wanted. I didn't want to have employees, I didn't want to manage a warehouse, I didn't want to do all of those things. At least at the time I was still very new in business. This was now maybe 2013. That seemed like a lot for someone who became an entrepreneur by accident. (laughs) It was like, this is way too much for me to handle. So I ended up selling that business. And when I did that, the side effect was then that I could then focus more on my web design. And then I actually started making more money because I was focused on doing one thing and doing one thing well, as opposed to I'm running this business over here and this business over here. And then from that, I just started narrowing down the services that I was offering because there's no way you can do like design and development and SEO and illustrations for weddings. And all. it's just, you know, it's absurd. Like you just can't. And so the more I took out had the side effect of like the more I was actually making. And so that was really eye opening. The light bulb finally went off in 2015 when we were renovating a house and I was like slashed basically all of the services except like my main web design ones. And I slashed those because I was renovating a house to save money. Like I was doing a lot of the work and uh, I had basically half the time now to offer web design. And that was just like, wait, hang on. I had my most profitable year working the least in my business that I've ever worked. And that's when I finally figured out that by narrowing down, I could actually make more money and produce much better quality work than when I was trying to spread myself into like all of these different, angle. So it took a long, that that was a three-year journey.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It took me a little over two years to come along the same way, but it was my health really that did it. Right. And so like I was getting burned out and I was just like exhausted, burning the candle at both ends. I was not doing all of those things, like the marketing and SEO and all that, But I was a developer that was taking on anybody that needed a line of code written. So I was doing Ruby on Rails. I was doing PHP. I was doing WordPress work. I was going back to Ruby on Rails. I was going all over the place, right? And my brain just couldn't do it anymore. And for me, it was sort of defeating because it was the second time that I had left to go do my full-time thing. And when I told my then fiance for just one month at that time that I was going to go back and get a job. She was just like, yeah, that's not what you want. And I know that. So you definitely know that. And we'll just figure it out. And I was like, wait a second, what? What?" She just told me not to go get a job. Like what is going on here? Because she's the one that wants to know, make sure everything's in, her, in order. We're paid. We're good. You know, all that stuff. And I just said to myself, "I got. Well, then I got to figure this out. Because if she believes in me, then why am I not believing in myself? And I figured out that I was just a dog chasing its tail. Is every couple of months or every couple of weeks, I was relearning something that I had already learned and just trying to catch up to whatever today's technology was. And that's when I just decided to go all in on the client. What are they asking for for me? And how do I best build a solution around that? And same thing, like it was like, I just did a whole lot less work and made more money. Hmm, there's something to this year, right? And so it's funny how. You don't necessarily, and I always say that that was the first time I specialized my business and, you know, niched down and I didn't know it then, but that's exactly what I was doing for like a week long thing where I was just analyzing everything. How did you then say, I mean, you were renovating a house. First of all, if you want to come here and help us, we have a lot of home projects that we got to do, but you were renovating the house. Was there ever a time where you were just like, look, the business is too much Maybe I should just get a job at this point.
0: Oh gosh, I think I had those thoughts so many times. (laughs) Like throughout, throughout, I think not actually at that time because I think actually the balance was really good. That was one of the other things I discovered was like working part time for my brain is actually much more productive for me. So I can't put in 40 hours a week. I don't actually believe that very many people in this world can actually be productive for that. Mm -hmm. There may be a few magical unicorns out there, but for most of us, we are on average productive for about two to four hours per day. And so actually that was kind of when I was like the happiest balance with my business because I was you know, busy doing like some renovation things over here. And then I would go to my business, I'd be excited and energized and I would have all of that brain power to actually, you know, put in the work. And so it ended up being like a really good mix for me to like have like other things that I was doing outside of work. So it wasn't like at that time, I did not feel overwhelmed. I actually felt just like really good about things. And so that's when I was like, okay, now I can see how I can apply this, you know, to the rest of my work going forward. Before that, I definitely had lots of thoughts of, oh my gosh, I should just get a job. Like, this is too hard. Like, I'm doing too many things. I'm stressed out. I'm working, you know, ridiculous hours and I'm still not making money. So it was really just that kind of like 2015 home renovation that changed my whole perspective, and as stressful and crazy as it sounds to be working and doing a home renovation at the same time, it was like the best thing <laughs> that could have happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why when you come back from vacation, you feel so like everything seems organized up in your brain, right? Because you just refresh. It's a reset button. I totally get that. That's why, I, And I try to tell other developers and designers and things like, hey, when you, and hopefully no clients are listening, but if you have a vacation, give yourself another day. If you're coming back on Monday, tell your client you're coming back on Tuesday. Right, Give yourself that day to get some stuff for your own business done, right? Because as soon as you come back, everybody's going to light you up. They're going to want requests and all the rest of it.
0: I'm going to add on to that really quick. I always tell people I'm leaving a day or two earlier than I actually am because you know there are those last minute can we squeeze this in type things <laughs> and if you are literally like leaving you know in an hour it's just going to make you stressed out and you're going to be like now i have to bring my laptop to the beach right mm. <laughs> so if you can you can just you know sneakily say i'm leaving this day and then you know not <laughs> you can catch up on some things it uh, sounds bad but in reality it makes it so much better for you and your clients are able to still get
1: what you need done yeah absolutely My grandfather used to tell me, time moves forward whether we want to or not. Well, I didn't really understand that until I got older, but like Erin, as she shares her story with us today, when you get punched in the face or fall down, that's usually a moment in time that forces you to reevaluate and adjust as a business owner. I know that at some point in time, we'll all be allowed back into the world and meet up at events, retreats, Masterminds, things of that sort, and meet people and help each other to inspire one another and challenge us as we grow as business owners. That's the thing time doesn't stop, but you don't need to go someplace, congregate with someone, and spend a boatload of money to get that. Welcomefeastclub.com. No more stale articles from 2008, 9, even seven or even 2014 telling you how to run your business and double your revenue. As a Feast Club member, you'll be a part of a community of like-minded service providers building predictable income and systems to grow their business in today's market right now in this current climate. Support, confidence, being challenged from everyone inside of Feast Club, helps you make great strides to achieve the goals that you set out for when you started your business. Yes, it's a private community, but there isn't some big golden pearly gate blocking your way where you need to pay a high price just to get in. It's only $5 a month. Inside, you'll find stories, strategies, and resources for marketing, optimizing, selling, pricing, and basically just building your service-based business ultimately it's a safe place for any designer developer or client service business owner to share ideas and get support and yes even land some projects we've connected a few people together already in this young time this very young community but it's growing fast you're going to get access to a private Slack community and a super secret podcast, which, well, let's be honest, I know you like listening to them. Access to a live virtual meetup. We have virtual co-working sessions. All of this is just $5 a month. So if you want to check it out and join a community that's built on the saying, a rising tide raises all boats, head on over to feastclub.co today. And yes, you did hear me right. It's only $5 a month, only for a limited time. Don't know how long that's going to be as I just hit my microphone. But if you join today, you'll lock that in for as long as you're a member, I promise. So I hope to see you on the inside. Now let's get back to the conversation here. So. Before we get into some of these other things, especially because I want to learn some of the uh, little tips and tricks that you have. I always like to ask, and it could have been just what we just talked about. Maybe it's something else, but I always like to ask, what has been your defining moment in life so far?
0: Yeah. You told me you were going to ask this question. I know from listening to other episodes that you asked this and I was trying to think, and I was asking my husband, I'm like, I don't really know. It's either quitting my job without a plan and becoming that accidental entrepreneur, which has obviously changed the entire course of my life and, you know, enabled us to do things like move to an entirely different city before my husband has a job and, you know, just have that freedom. So it's definitely up there or it is like that home renovation where I realized this is how I run a business that works for me. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those two, but I'm not quite sure, but either one of those (laughs) has had like a massive impact
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when I ask that. A lot of people say there's multiples, right? And I think for most entrepreneurs, there is multiples because I feel like, and I'm curious to your thoughts on this. You never know that you're having one of those moments at that time, but you're able to reflect back and say, hey, that was something that was pivotal in my career or my life or something there was something special about that specific moment in time. And that reflection on that and how, what you learned and what you gleaned from that is is—it's not something that I did until recently, right? Like I, maybe it's me getting older, but it's just, I was never really reflective of my life until maybe the last 10 years or so. I mean, is, have you found that yourself?
0: Yeah, I think it's like, up until probably recently, I've just been kind of like, I just, you know, go and do things. And it's been having to actually sit down and like, take the time and look and say, okay, how did I actually get to this point? Like, and and a lot of that has actually come from me trying to figure out how to best help others in the industry where it's like, okay, what was it that I did? Oh, oh my gosh, like 2015, huge pivotal year in my business. Definitely up there with 2012, where I launched my business. So, you know, it's like, I never really looked at things retrospectively until recently and said, okay, what was it that got me here? I just kind of like went along with the flow and did whatever, which I think a lot of us do. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But when you can recognize where those you know, moments are, where those decisions that you made to change something are it can really help you, I think, moving forward and understanding like what works for you and what is going to make a big impact. Um, if you're like looking at making a change, you know, maybe something isn't working for you right now. If you look and see what worked, like what made you decide to go on that route in the first place, you might be able to better decide if, you know, you can like use a similar method or decision to keep moving or to pivot and go somewhere totally different.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that, that's, And I said before that that was the first time I specialized. So I've pivoted multiple times, but used that same process, right? And it didn't take me a week to do it every single time. It was quicker because when I reflected back on it, I was like, oh, here, this is what I did. So let me just do that here. Do some, a little bit of reflecting, see what's what, and maybe this will help me figure out which path to go on. So I know you have programs. I know you help other designers, developers. What, this is a question that I get asked a lot. How do you juggle it all?
0: Uh, The answer is that I don't really. So my program, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of work when you're first creating a program, when you're launching a program, when you're getting known for the program, like that's a lot. Like there's all sorts of things that, as you know, go into like building that up. But at this point, with my program, like I'm fairly well known in the industry. I have students that do word of mouth recommendations to go like, go check out Aaron's stuff. It's great, whatever. I don't have to do the same level of marketing or things that I used to do. So, (laughs) and I think that my services are the same way. Like I don't even advertise that I build websites anymore, but as soon as people find out that I do, guess what? They want to hire me. And so it's this very privileged place to be that, you know, when you've been in business for eight years or, you know, at least several years, you can start to kind of step back and not have to do all of the things that you have to do in the beginning. And unfortunately, in the beginning, there is no way around some hustle. There's no way around like, you know, getting known and all of those things. So, Unfortunately, I would love to you know be able to tell your listeners that they can go from you know zero to twenty hour you know a week and making six figures and sipping mai tais on the beach or whatever it is they want to do, you know in like a month that doesn't happen. But right. once you have built up your business and you you know have that foundation, it's actually not nearly as much stress or as much work as it is at the beginning. So there is like a bright, you know, like a bright light at the end of the tunnel of that hustle where you can then start to relax a little bit, never fully. You do always have to do like some marketing and mm-hmm. you know, some stuff, as you know. But you can then focus more on making your business work really, really well for you and the lifestyle that you want to live because you're out of that hustle mode. And for me, you know, making a few changes to my program and how I offer support in it so that my students still, you know, get everything that they need, but I'm not in there, you know, constantly day to day trying to like start conversations or things, right? Because that's not I'm about to have a baby. Like That's not mm-hmm. something that's going to ha- like work for me in the next few months with a newborn. Right. So I've kind of stepped back from that and made it in a way that they can still get the support, but they're also supporting each other. They're, mm-hmm. you know, getting that help that they need, but I'm also able to focus on what I need right now. And so again, it's a process, but I'm definitely not <laughs> not doing it all. I'm doing what I need to do to get the results that I want And taking everything else just off my plate.
1: (laughs) I like that. Doing what I need to do to get the results that I want. Right. And that's, we could end the show there. Right. Because that's ultimately what we all start our own businesses for. There's something that we want from our lives. And hopefully we can build a business that's a tool to get us there. Exactly. So, one of the things that I always say, and this is just who I am and that sort of a thing, is that. I don't know that I'll ever get away from the service work. Client services, it's just something that I do. I enjoy working with awesome people. And at the same time, I do help other developers and designers right? with programs, coaching, and so on and so forth. For me, I feel that what I learned today in my client services business, if I had just stopped doing the client work three years ago, four years ago, there would be no way I could feel good about what I share with other developers and designers today. That's just me. I mean, there's so few of us that actually still walk the walk (laughs) and then talk the talk. I'm curious your thoughts on that.
0: Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on that. that might get me into trouble. (laughs) No, I totally agree with you. And that's why I have not given up client services completely either. It's like, especially when you're in the world of web design and development, it's like very rapidly changing I feel like, and again, you know, like I've kind of like set up my business where I don't have to be, you know, in the Facebook group every single day answering every single question because it's a fantastic community where brilliant designers and developers are helping each other. But I don't wanna go in there and be like, what do they mean by like the colors have to be like right? Or what do they mean by like EDA comply? Like, you know, I need to still know enough about the industry To support my students, and so that's why I very definitely still do client work. Um, I do less client work than I used to. I get to be very choosy about the client work that I do, and I work with clients that I absolutely adore. But I do feel like when you step away completely, and there are people who have done that where they haven't made a website, you know, in five years, doesn't mean that maybe they're not reading articles or things, but they're not in it as much. And so to me, that just doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't feel right if I read an article and say, oh, now I know everything about making a website in 2020 when I haven't made a website since 2015. Like that just doesn't (laughs) feel good to me. So I definitely think staying at least, you know, a a good foot into what you're teaching and what you're helping others do is like a requirement for me personally. Like I have, I have to do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. And that's part of it, right? Like we can be choosy, we can select the types of clients that we want to work with, charge more, right? Um, those sort of things. And so I know you have a lot of content, one of which I love. and I don't think you promoted enough, to be honest, is some of the things that are said by clients and their responses. You have tons of that. I love that, right? I mean, that's gold. Like If you're listening to this and you have clients objecting or giving you pushback, go check out some of Aaron's responses. They're awesome. We talked a little bit about being selective about the clients. How do you go about doing that?
0: Oh my gosh. That's like a whole (laughs) whole episode. Uh, No. So I get to be selective, of course, now in a very, again, privileged way because of the business that I've built and like recurring revenue and stuff that I have coming in from retainer clients and things like that. I get to say no when a red flag goes off. But for me, actually, my most recent project that I said yes to was because specifically it was a Squarespace website that I had never done Squarespace before. And so many of my students use Squarespace, like they're Squarespace designers. And I was like, um, I need to know like you know what they're using, at least you know some basic stuff. So when you know they're asking questions or building stuff for clients, I have a, a good idea of like what, they're doing and how the process works with Squarespace. Um, And so for me, like saying yes to that client was not just, you know, like a money thing or the fact that they were lovely, like they were fantastic, but it was because it gave me this opportunity to learn something new, which, you know, I've been making websites now for like 21 years. And, you know, of course things change over time, but this was like brand new to me. So that was super mm-hmm. exciting and really, really fun to get to do. But when it comes to just like generally screening clients, like and figuring out who's a good fit, I have like an entire process that I go through. And the main thing that anybody can do and that we can link to because I have a free training <laughs> on it is an intro packet, which outlines all of your policies, all of how you work. Like you just kind of say, here's what you're getting. Here are things like my office hours. Here's how the timeline works. And it sets that expectation immediately. This is before you hop on a call. This is before you waste any like back and forth time. Basically they fill out your inquiry form. You send it at the end of, you know, everything that you outline, you give them the instructions on, if this sounds good, we can now, you know, move forward with the next step. And if it doesn't, they're out of there. Like they didn't, you know, waste any of your time. That doesn't mean they were a bad person. It just meant they were a bad fit. And they said, Oh, well, she only, you know, she's not available on weekends. Well, I really want a web designer that I can call it, you know, 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Well, <laughs> not right. me. So that's one of the very best ways to screen clients and like get those expectations set up front. And so it gets rid of the bad clients, but the great clients are like, oh my gosh, you're so professional. I know exactly what's going to happen. I cannot wait. Like, let's do this thing. And so it's just like this magical little, well, most of my students use a PDF, but some do videos, some do other things. Mm. It's like, I don't know. I I love it. Like I super geek out over intro packets and seeing like how my students modify them and what they put in because every business is different. And it's just Mm -hmm. such a cool way to, again, set those expectations up front and screen out clients who are not a good fit.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And and you said, we'll link that link up in the show notes and you can go check it out for sure. I'm I'm a huge fan of setting expectations. Let them know, don't assume anything, put everybody on the same page, like get it out of the way. That was one of the things that I had struggled with early on too, is like, I just assumed that they knew how to work with me, but they don't Maybe they never worked with a con- contractor before in their lives. Maybe they have no idea how to sign a contract and what's next and those sort of things. And yes, I do work from home and I work online, but I'm not available 24-7. I'm with you there. Like nobody's calling me on the weekends. Nobody's, unless it's a, like a complete, like your whole business is burning down and it's part of it is involves me. <laughs> and don't, I don't want to hear about it. I'll talk to you at eight o'clock in the morning. So that, yeah, that's super helpful. What is one question that you can ask on a project or better said, I'm a huge fan of project applications as well, right? Like I'm not getting on a call until you fill this out. Like that's the first thing. That's one red flag. If you want to bypass that, Mm. but I try to use my project application in a way that helps me dig into traits of the lead so that when I am working with them as a client, that I'm going to spot things like micromanagement. I'm going to spot things on how organized they are, how well they can communicate and all that. And I, I try to use a project, I call it a project brief, but a project application in in that way. Is that something that you do as well on your applications?
0: Yeah. So my, well, I call it an inquiry forum, but yeah, it's same deal. It's mm-hmm. it's fairly thorough. Um, I do try and make it as easy to fill out as possible, But I ask things like for web design, it's like, are we doing e-commerce? If yes, like, you know, give me some details on what it is, especially because personally, I don't do like e-commerce shops. I do like, if you have a digital course or something, we'll figure that out, but I'm not doing like a full on shop. But so I have like those kinds of questions, but I also ask them things about like who their target audience is. And for me, like, that's a really great question that kind of helps you screen And I don't know how thorough yours is, but like in my case, like just that one question alone is really great for determining like basically the why behind their business and you know, the types of person that they're helping and if it's all about them or if they're going to like really be trying to serve their audience, which is the point of a website, (laughs) as well as like how long they write. So like there are people who, you know, fill out the form and they do like, you know, one or two word answers. That's a red flag for me because that means they're probably not either (laughs) really that interested in working with me. They're probably just like, you know, tire kicking around a whole bunch of people. Or they really don't have a good understanding of like what it is we're trying to do with a website and, you know, what we're trying to accomplish and get done. So if they fill out really, you know, long, thorough answers, like I look at those. And so maybe it's not quite as scientific as yours, but I just like read through the answers and I'm like, okay, I'm getting a really good vibe about how they talk about their clients and their business and what they're trying to accomplish and so that's kind of like my first like really good way to screen. And for me, that actually determines if I even bother sending them an intro packet or not. Mm-hmm. Some of my students just like totally automate, like you can get the intro packet. Um, for me, I'm like, nope, I'm going to read their <laughs> their like inquiry form first. And again, like for me, it's not really scientific. It's kind of more of like an art where I'm like, okay, what's right. the feeling that I'm getting from this person? Like, do I feel good about this? Do I feel like there's someone I want to work with? Do I feel excited about this project? Or are they going to be like an immediate, you know, referral to somebody else mm-hmm. who maybe doesn't care as much. But I do think that you can definitely use inquiry forms or applications like in a really great way to get a feeling for somebody like just really, really quickly.
1: Yeah. Like you, I have a, it's an, a science and an art to mine as well. It's pretty thorough. But it, if the person has thought about their project and what they want me to do with them, shouldn't really take more than a few minutes to fill out and that's kind of how i look at it and i do ask some pretty in-depth questions i want them to you know they're going to give me some metrics they're going to give me some of the like how big is your list how many monthly unique visitors do you have your website those sort of things those things can help me disqualify what i can do for them because sometimes people come to me and it's way too early in the game and i'm just like look I can do what you're asking for me to do, but you're not going to get the return as quickly, right? And so I will help them in that. And I'll say, hey, look, there's other great people that can help you get to where you need to get to and then come talk to me and that we can do some work. But then like you, I ask for goals and I ask for smart goals. And right on the form, I say, hey, if you don't know what a smart goal is, this is what I'm looking for, right? And so I don't want to hear, I want to grow my email list. That's not helpful, I want to hear that I want to make 20% revenue through my email list over the same time last year, right? And so those sort of things. And so when I just skim over some things and I just see like those increased traffic, grow my email list or whatever it is, and I'm like, okay, you're tire kicking and you just want to know what the comp, you want to get me on the phone and and let's go. I don't, and same thing, I don't send my Onboarding until I get that project brief, right? Because for me, like you, there's some gut feel just by reading the responses that I get, if it's going to be a good fit or not. And I always want to help anybody that comes through. And it's just a matter of making sure that I can either service them the way that they need or bring somebody else to the conversation that could also help them and fit within what they're looking for. And that's kind of how I look at it. The project brief for me, that was a transformation in and of itself because I didn't do that for a long, long time. And I was doing a lot of calls and wondering why I wasn't getting as many closes as I'd like. And then I put that little form up and then my close rates all of a sudden went skyrocketing (laughs) because I wasn't having those conversations. Was your inquiry form, was that something that you found out from somebody else or was that something that you always had in place?
0: Oh gosh, that's a great question. And I'm trying to remember because I would love to credit somebody, You know, <laughs> like figured it out. I do want to say I had some basic stuff, like some web design specific stuff, but I do think I got some of it from, or at least some of the ideas for questions from Paul Jarvis and I don't remember exactly where, if it was like one of his courses or his books or an article, but I, I'm pretty sure I remember him talking about inquiry forms and like some questions that you would want to ask on them to help qualify leads. Hmm. And I hope it's him. (laughs) He's (laughs) he's got great stuff. Anyhow, people can go check him out, but I'm pretty sure that I got at least some ideas from there, but then like web design specific things that are like, like the e-commerce things that I talked about, were my own things that I put in there because I kept getting inquiries for like e-commerce sites. And I'm like, I don't want to do those. Why am I on a call with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's awkward. And so like really, once I had narrowed down, I made some big drastic changes. Um, and so the inquiry form that I use today, I would say is like probably 90%, like my own creation. But I'm sure that I've pulled inspiration, you know, from other people who have had like fantastic forms. And I'm sure even some of them might be you know, ideas that, you know, I took and like um, tweaked from like, if I was filling out, you know, trying to hire maybe a copywriter or somebody, I was like, whoa, that's a great question. I should ask, you know, something similar <laughs> on my form as it relates to web design. So I don't have like some really handy, like go here for the best web design <laughs> for, you know, questionnaire, but it sounds like you have a really good one. So.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I got mine when I first learned about it, it was from Troy Dean. And he had one that I guess was a lead magnet at the time. And I was just like, all right, yeah, maybe this is going to help. And it was because I was reading, I I remember I was reading some article on closing clients and that was one of the tips in there. But then over the years and still to this day, it evolved, right? And so like, you know, if once a project may go sideways, that unexpectedly, when I do a look-see on what the project did... You know, after the project was completed, if there was bumps in the road, I would try to see, okay, is there a way that I can maybe mitigate these bumps before they even happen, right? And so, I try to always reflect back and make that project application essentially better every single time so that only the best get through, right? Like, that's the thing that a lot of people get stuck on, at least that I find, is like when people put our project application, they spend boatloads of time on it and they never get it out there. I'm like, dude, just get it out there. Like next lead comes in, send it to them. I don't care if it's just three questions, you know, as long as you start the process and get the process going. I mean, I know that that's what a lot of what you're talking about is like streamlining your business and making sure that you know the process and the systems then come after that, but you gotta start the process in the first place.
0: I think one of the things like that's helped me is like approaching business is kind of an experiment and after every, project and thing that I've done with a client is looking and analyzing and saying, okay, where did this work really well and where were the issues? And so from that, you know, like I've been doing this for a long time now. So I've been able to get like very, very streamlined in my business. And I'm very happy to say, knock on wood, that I, you know, have very few issues these days with clients because I offer something very specific that they either want or they don't. And if they don't, they don't hire me. But it's a very smooth system but even still I like if there's something that was confusing for them or you know didn't go as smoothly as I want I'll go and I'll see where I can make a change whether it's in my intro packet or my inquiry form or you know uh, in the project management system maybe I didn't explain something well enough and I see where I can like improve that so it's always an ongoing like you said process There's always room for improvement and there are always like things that you can learn and tweak and change and make sure that, you know, you're offering a really great experience for your clients, but you just have to understand that, you know, one is not gonna be perfect from the get go. It just won't. (laughs) So you may as well get started and just, you know, learn from it. And two don't expect every single thing to work for every single client because every single client and project is going to be different too. So you also have to, you know, take things, with a grain of salt, like, was this a great client? Was this project great? If yes, then like, of course, all of your processes should, you know, maybe like get tweaked and kind of like follow along to make things great for similar people. But if you did let, you know, a bad client, you know, someone who's not necessarily a bad person again, but just a bad fit for you through the door, well, you know, maybe you don't need to change your office hours so that you can accommodate those 5 a.m. phone calls. Maybe you just need to do a better you know, job screening in the future. So there's all sorts of ways that you can analyze your business and make sure that it's working in the best way for you and the right clients for you.
1: Mm, I love that. That's a perfect way to end this. But before I do, before I let you go, I usually say what's up next between the next six to 12 months. But the baby on the way, I know exactly what you're going to do over the next six to 12 months. So after that, What's up next?
0: So I am actually shifting my business a little bit. So web designers, developers, still one hundred percent welcome. You are my people. Um, But if anybody, you know, who falls into like another creative service industry field is listening to this, and you're like, Aaron's only got stuff for web designers. I'm changing that. So you can come check me out, hang out with me. I've got a new program that works for all creative businesses that will be re-released in the fall. Fingers crossed if the baby lets me. And uh, you know, I'm just kind of like. Helping as many people as I can, like you know, kind of get into this more streamlined service-based business that really works for them, regardless of what industry they're in. So that's what's coming up as soon as you know I get through all of the sleeping and
1: (laughs) (laughs) the not sleeping,
0: the not sleeping issues. Yes,
1: yes, yes, awesome. Well, that's great. First of all, congrats again. Best of luck. Look, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I've been there twice within. A very short period of time (laughs) i know what you're going to go through maybe my wife knows a little bit more of what you're going to go through but at the same time it's going to change your life and i'm excited for you thank you again thanks for sharing some time with us where can folks reach out and say thanks
0: you know probably the best way is you can go to my main website which is just aaronflinn.com and then on social media i'm on all the social, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram at Aaron and then the number three and then Flynn, because I have a very common name.
1: Great. So we'll link up all of that in the show notes. Again, Aaron, thanks for sharing some time and wisdom with us today. Really do appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Jason.
1: And everyone listening, until next time, it's your time to live in the feast. <laughs> enjoyed today's episode i can speak for both aaron and myself by saying that we would love to hear the one takeaway that you got from the episode super simple we're both on twitter she's aaron the number three flynn and i'm rez with three z's and why not share it with us go ahead tweet it and tag us also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you'll be the first to listen in next week when we dive into another success story with someone about building their business. Until next time, it's your time to live in the feast.